Welcome to Public Health Plus. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Uh, so COVID is obviously a thing that we're living through still. Still. Yes, still. Let's not forget about it. It's still definitely a thing. Um, COVID. Still a thing. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. Vaccinate. Vaccinated. Yes. Wash your hands. I will say like just by the virtue of wearing a mask and washing my hands, I haven't gotten sick since COVID, which is kind of nice. I have gotten a cold <laughs> and I, I got COVID tested to make sure it was actually just a cold because my kids are back in school. Oh, okay. And, you know, they're masked up and, and all those kinds of things. But like they eat lunch at school and, you know, they're around and they have teachers sometimes having them do stupid things like take your masks off and blow up balloons. Right. It's a great idea. <laughs> but James and I both have gotten a cold, which is annoying. Only a cold. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear That's that. That's fine. Okay. You haven't gotten sick. That's good. Yeah. So COVID is still a thing. And this came out a few months ago. I always wanted to sort of just briefly touch on it because I think it's a good public health concept for people to know. Hi, post-production MJ here. This episode was recorded in October 2021. So it's been a little more than a few months. COVID has caused the largest decline in U.S. life expectancy since World War II, and we have reached the lowest in almost two decades. It's pretty bad, but I do want to say that COVID being a major driver is not the only driver for the decline in U.S. life expectancy. Before we get into that, life expectancy is easy to conceptualize, but it's actually very, very hard to calculate because when we say life expectancy of, say, 2015, we're not just taking everyone that died that year and averaging their age. That's not how life expectancy is calculated. If we were to do that, that would be called something else. Average age of death, I guess, but whatever. That's not how life expectancy is calculated. It's actually very complicated how we figure out what the life expectancy of a person is. So the definition of life expectancy is basically how long a group of people is expected to live given a bunch of factors like your birth, age, demographic factors, sex, stuff like that. And when people say life expectancy, you need to be sure like who are you referring to? So my life expectancy is very different than my parents just by age alone. Well, I think there's a related concept that will be beneficial for the listeners to know about, which is years of potential life lost. Yes. So there are ways that we, different ways we measure the impact of a range of health things. All very hard to calculate, by the way. Right. But so let's say a young black male dies of homicide at age 22. Mm-hmm. You need to know both that the person died at age 22 and also what their life expectancy was, that calculation, right? And then the difference between those numbers is the years of potential life lost. And so if something like COVID is dramatically impacting the Mm -hmm. death rates of young people in particular, it would impact both life expectancy for the population and also contribute to substantial years of potential life lost. So they're sort of interrelated. Yeah, it's a very important public health concept for one reason for you just described because it helps us calculate years of potential life loss. So how do we calculate life expectancy? So typically, when we are talking about life expectancy, the most common type of life expectancy we're referring to is life expectancy at birth. So when a person is born, how long do we expect said person or said population, I guess, born at this time to live? There's two ways to do this. The most direct way is called the cohort life expectancy at birth, which basically looks at a population of people and you follow them until they all died. This means that we can only calculate cohort life expectancy at birth for people born in the 50s, I guess, 50s or before, maybe, maybe. Right. So depending on sort of what you expect the life expectancy to be, you know, if if it's Uh 80-ish 
85-ish for women and 78-ish or something for something right. for men, then you would need to go back that far in time, find everybody born in that year, and then actually calculate what the life expectancy was. Yeah. So as you probably can expect, that is not the most practical measure. It is the most real measure, but it's not the most you know practical measure. What we want to know is life expectancy of people who are still alive today. Right. Because knowing what the life expectancy was for people born in 1940, for example, who may not be alive anymore. It's not that helpful. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily give you a lot of actionable information. I realized there are probably a lot of people still alive in 1940. That wasn't probably. That was not a good people are only 80. I mean, my in-laws are at that age. So I should have said people born in like 1910. That would have been a better or, or yeah, something like that. Better number cuz you know, living to 111 is exceptionally rare. Not unheard of, but exceptionally rare. What we're more interested is the life expectancy, the period life expectancy, which is a hypothetical calculation of Taking into a lot of considerations, a lot of different factors, we're trying to hypothetically figure out what is the life expectancy of people in a particular time. So let's say 2015, 2020. And my initial thought was to, okay, maybe I'll look into this and figure out how it's calculated and I'll explain it to people. (sighs) (laughs) You can like have whole lectures. Multiple lectures. Multiple lectures on this particular topic. So I'm very (laughs) eager to hear your overly simplified explanation of how you calculate period life expectancy. So listeners, I just want you to know that this is very, very complicated to the point where people have gotten PhDs for calculating this. So don't expect me to do even like a remotely good job of explaining. But basically what we do is we look at things called it's called life tables or death tables or something. Yeah. So we look at we take a population of people and then we look at when they died and then basically we back calculate, OK, this population seems to die around this time. This population is going to die around this time. We run a bunch of complicated regressions and then we spit out a number and say, buy all these different life tables of different population living at different places, different demographic factors. We combine them. We combine all a bunch of regressions and we say, OK, we think people born, hypothetically born in this year would have an expected life expectancy of X. Very complicated that is as far as I got before I gave up on reading more articles. <laughs> no, I think uh, the key takeaway is there are ways to try to calculate the life expectancy for people who are currently alive, given different demographic and geographic characteristics. It's very challenging and complicated, and very a lot of effort and modeling goes into it. But these are estimates, right? So just because someone says, oh, the life expectancy for a almost 40-year-old white female is X years, Like that doesn't mean I'm going to die when I turn age X, right? It's just that's sort of given my characteristics, that's the average life expectancy. Yeah, it's an aggregate. It's an overall number. So definitely it's, it's not meant to be taken like literally. Now, the reason why I brought this up is because the decline in life expectancy that we mentioned at the top of this episode, it doesn't just reflect on COVID, but life expectancy has always reflected on the inequities and inequality in our society. Uh, do you think black and white people have the same life expectancy? Oh, well, I know country? they don't. Absolutely not. Right. Yeah, that's 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 well yeah. known. <laughs> And men and women don't have the same life expectancy either. Yeah. A lot of researchers have pretty much just taken this concept and just ran with it in terms of education, in terms of income, in terms of whatever factor you can think of. Some PhD has done it. Yeah. Somewhere. I think it's important to your point that the decline in life expectancy isn't just about COVID. 
all of the inequalities and inequities that we had in our country before COVID didn't go away when COVID hit, right? Often these were exacerbated. And so we're seeing disparate impacts of COVID across different demographic subgroups, but we're also seeing increases in things like gun homicide that we know are not impacting demographic subgroups equally either. And so we've got all of these things coming together in almost a perfect storm of factors that are going to contribute to declines in life expectancy. Yeah. Another reason why I want to do this bonus is I want this to be a a little preview for one of our future episodes. One of the causes of death that has increased dramatically in these recent years is increase in death of despair, which is a term that is a very complicated term, but it's basically referring to deaths like drug overdose, suicides. I think those are the main two categories of death of despair, dying in isolation, stuff like that, mental health uh, issues. And it's a very telling and sad trend that these deaths are going up because I'm sure you know that in the 20th century, we went from acute causes to chronic causes. Like it used to be cholera. It used to be measles, smallpox. And then as we shift into the modern era, those acute causes sort of went down and chronic causes like heart disease, cancer skyrocketed up as people are living longer. And now we're seeing those chronic causes go down and these death of despair causes go up. So we might be on the turning point of another shift in causes of mortality. Well, I think, again, hearkening back to your point about COVID having an impact on some of the declines in life expectancy, some of our colleagues have done surveys looking at the impact of COVID on health-seeking behaviors, on sort of emotional well-being and, and mental health impacts. And COVID isn't just sort of making people sick and those people are dying or having long-term health effects, but especially early on uh, when people were feeling very isolated and there was a limited opportunity to access care while people were rolling out Mm -hmm. different telehealth for, for mental health and whatnot, a lot of people weren't receiving sort of mental health supports that they needed And that can be a contributing factor also. So COVID not only is directly contributing to declines, it is having these other sort of secondary or tertiary impacts on other health issues. Yeah, a little preview for one of our episodes that we're going to do in the future about mental health. But also I saw this in the news uh, on the New York Times, I think. And it is definitely something that it's a a very cool public health concept, uh, life expectancy and how that's calculated. I wanted to do a better job, but I am not a mathematician, so this is what you get. <laughs> Perhaps in the episode description, we can include a link to maybe not a, a super detailed and super technical thing, but you know maybe the CDC yeah. has a an explainer on life expectancy that we can share with folks. Yeah, we will definitely do that. But uh, yeah, way more complicated to calculate than I ever anticipated. Thank you for listening to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. You can expect these more spicy and opinionated episodes every Monday. If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us and spread the word about the show. Join us every Thursday for our main episodes. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.